Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Hey, welcome to another episode of the WCBBN. Uh, network here. Uh, my name's Kevin Dan. Um, I'm owner-operator of Wildcat Nuisance Animal Control out of northeastern Michigan. And today's date is actually the first, June 1st. The old saying goes is uh, June 1st. Let them go, let them grow. The uh, fly deal for bat. So just kind of keep in mind about uh, not doing any bat work this month or next month. So anyways, my co-host is Will Langman. How you doing tonight, Will? Oh, I don't know about most of these guys, but I am getting burnt down here. Heat, heat, heat. I'm hot. I'm hot. I think I've lost a lot of weight in attics, though. That's a good thing, sort of. Uh, as most of you already know, Will Langman, owner-operator of Langman's Wildlife and Pest Control, West Central Indiana, East Central Illinois, and looking to grow. <laughs> And tonight we got a couple of guests. I know we've got Don online right now. Don Leland, I I I'm no gonna screw it up because I don't I know you left the company. So who are you with now, Don? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Will and Kevin. Uh I'm with Eastside Exterminators over here in Woodenville, Washington. Oh, he's all the way on the coast. Gosh. That's right. <laughs> West Coast is the best coast. <laughs> all right, I hear the arguments coming. <laughs> Tonight, I figure we could talk a little bit about hiring, firing, finding that right tech, because I know a lot of us go through that, and we're getting to that point. Um, I know personally here, actually, lately, I've had trouble even getting people to show up to interviews. So apparently they're just not wanting to work, or I'm just not finding the right guys. Uh, so what are you coming across, Don? <laughs> yeah, I think um, yeah, that's a really good issue that you know, it's a really relevant topic. I know that um, it's one that we face a lot here uh, at Eastside and one that I hear a lot of pest control and wildlife guys uh, complaining about. I think it's just a universal truth. Uh, when I look at our uh, profession, it, it is a blue-collar type job, right? Uh, it, it's very hands-on. It's, um, it, it's a service industry. Um, and it still has a social stigma that goes with it, probably more so on the pest control side than um, than wildlife. You know, I think people, the average consumer still thinks of a pest control guy as somebody who's just, uh, you know, fogging or fumigating a house and, um, you know, and probably thinks of wildlife guys as hello, um, hello. red... Oh, sorry about that, Don. Brian finally joined us. <laughs> hey, <laughs> hey, Ryan. We've got it ironed out. Hey, Ryan. So, oh, go ahead, Don. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I was just saying. So, and I think that you know, and probably they they probably think of of wildlife guys as as redneck trappers, uh, and probably think that all of us barely have a high school degree. So. Um, you know, so like I say, I think there's just that social stigma. 
there's also the issues of where you are. You know, where uh, our listening audience here is spread all across the country, and I know in my market here in Seattle, um, it, it's it's a tech savvy market. You don't get a whole lot of of uh, folks that are interested in in uh, service jobs, and that's really the the function. It, it, it's a byproduct of the fact that. It's ridiculously expensive to live in, in King County here in, in Washington. It's, it's one of the most expensive places uh, in the country to live, um, and that's by the fact that we have so many, um, you know, tech people out here. Uh, same down in San Francisco and in other parts of the country as well. So that definitely creates all this different type of pressure uh, on trying to find the right people. It just means that I think for us as employers, we have to. Uh, be creative about uh, our ads and where we're looking for people. We need to be really clear on who we're looking for. We've got to have solid training programs in place and also a clear um, delineation of, of when we're going to let somebody go and, and how we work them out of the system. So I kind of look at that as kind of four points of, of hiring and firing. So I think for us, it, it, we've got to start, like with anything, knowing your why. Why are we hiring this person? That allows us to be really clear on what's their role and what is it that we expect of them. So uh, one of our recent uh, hires was a wildlife guy. You know, we're a pest control company. We're going to expand our, our, our service offering and, and offer wildlife service. So we were very specific. We wanted somebody that had wildlife experience. I had the great fortune to... Uh, know a buddy named Will Langman who was able to give me some ideas on, uh, uh, you guys might have heard of him, uh, who gave me some ideas on what kind of skill set we should be looking for, uh, as well as some of the tools and, and tricks of the trade. Uh, and, and so we were very clear. We wanted to go out and find somebody who already had experience. If, if you're a pest control company or a wildlife company looking to add on pests, then it should be really clear that you need somebody who is already licensed, um, if that's applicable in your state, um, or know that if you're going to go higher green, as I say, uh, then you've got to have a, a program in place to help them become licensed. And that's where the creativity comes in. I see more and more companies saying, we're no, you know, we can't um, entice already licensed active pest control guys or wildlife guys, so I'm going to hire somebody who doesn't have the license or the experience, and I'm going to train them. And so that's the piece where for us, it's the, the adage is hire slow, fire fast. We always want to hire for attitude and train for skills, and that we believe that we can always train somebody on the skills. We can help them, you know, get educated on how to pass the, the licensing exams. But it's so much more challenging to train for a positive attitude or get that positive energy. They either have it or they don't. Um, and that's, that's kind of where we start when we start looking for people. And he's way ahead of the curve already, guys. What do you think? <laughs> I was going to say, there's a lot of stuff that he said that uh, totally resonates with uh, some of the same stuff we look for. Well, since now that you're on, Ryan, go ahead and introduce yourself. <laughs> well, I'm Ryan Hall with Animal Pros. Um, Some of you may have heard of him. <laughs> we've we've been around for a little bit, and uh, you know I, I've actually had the pleasure of uh, uh, being in the industry a long time and uh, seeing, believe it or not, a lot more operators come and go than stay. So uh, you know we we always tend to look for 
certain characteristics in uh, applicants and new hires where we can already pretty much tell if they're going to make it or not. And just like uh, Don was saying, you know, he they just hired uh, somebody with wildlife experience. We just hired somebody with pest control experience. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, we, we look for proven proven track records, uh, you know, not job hopping, uh, you know, consistent. And people like that are, shockingly, uh, they're out there, but they're not the easiest to find especially for the wildlife field. And uh, it takes a, a certain skill set, I would uh, call it, to be a wildlife operator. It is definitely not for everybody. Um, I know our guys, they, they go through a rigorous training program. Uh, of course, our training program is state-approved. Uh and it usually lasts 60 to 90 days. And even then, you know, they're continually learning. But some of the same characteristics Don explained, that's the same spot-on stuff we're going to be looking for. Yeah, so Ryan, on your guys, um, I know from when you and I have talked also, just some of the how detailed you get um, in, the, in the interview process. So for us, I think it's always a good practice. We're always doing backgrounds checks and reference checks. Oh, yeah. um, one of the things that, that I like to ask is, you know, there's only so much that legally a, a previous employer can tell you and, and should tell you. Correct. So one of, the, one of those safe questions is, you know, hey, is this person eligible for rehire? I like asking a little bit different question uh, to try and get a little bit more, and, and, and I'm curious what, what you ask also, Ryan. One of the things I ask is, I tell them flat out when I'm checking references, for example, I'll, I'll ask them, hey, this person is being considered for you know, an office administrator position or a, a pest control position, and here's some, a few things that they're going to do. How do you think they're going to do in that role? What I get out of that is I get, I think it's a question that they don't expect, and then I get some creativity, and I feel like I get a little bit more honest response about whether they think mm -hmm. that person is good or not. How about you, Ryan? I know you guys have been growing like crazy. We, we tend to not contact employers because most of the people that apply for us, I would say 95% are currently working for somebody. They've worked for them for a long time, uh, usually coming from a management position, and are looking looking to get on with us. So we try not to rock the boat on their part uh, and make things, you know, any harder than it already has to be, uh, making the transition to where it's smooth. But we have some different stuff where we do our own checks to make sure things are on the up and up. And any red, red flags that come up, you know, that's something we discuss as uh, management. Yeah, I'm, I'm really in a very similar boat. Um, you know, we talk about those background checks, those reference checks. I think it's always a good idea. You know, the, I think you you can sometimes get people that can sneak through. One of the things that that uh, I like to do is I'll Google a person and I'll go look and see. Um, you can kind of start to get a little bit of a backstory if you look at some of their social posts. Um, you know, you can't always you know you can't judge a book by its cover. You can't always tell. Um, 
you know, but uh, I, I know there's one instance where we had a guy apply for a technician position, and and you know when I looked at his Facebook, it was nonstop. This guy was a partier, and uh, you know it's, we all like to have a cold one and relax later. But my thought goes to: Are you going to be reliable to show up for work? You know, or, or are you going to become a liability? That is spot on. That's the same exact stuff that we're looking for. Oh, yeah, I like that Google reference. I've been doing that every resume we get because you can just find out so much just by pulling up somebody's name. You can find arrest records. You can find everything. That's right. <laughs> that is it. Yeah. One of the things that we've also used that's worked really well um, and for members of um, WCBB as well, the USPMPA, uh, one of our vendor partners is a is a friend of mine. Uh, he his name is Tom Peterson. He's with Performance Consulting. That's the name of his his company. We utilize them where um, he administers the Simmons survey. And what that is is it's an assessment on 13 personality traits. So when I took the exam, for example, the survey, it asks two questions. You know, it's it's a personality profile. It it, it asks it gives me a list of all these adjectives that describe me and ask me to pick how I view myself. And the second question asks, how do I think other people pick, how do they perceive me? And it's amazing how, with just those two questions, how accurate this profile gets in, in the personality. And it, and it rates things such as the energy level, your stress level, your attention to detail, your adaptability to change, how assertive you are, um, how sociable you are. And those are all skills that are going to be more or less relevant depending upon the job, right? Your office person, for example, you probably need somebody who's got good energy level, low stress, and a sociable, whereas if you've got a salesperson or somebody in a sales function, you probably need them to be more assertive and courageous um, and maybe not so concerned about their level of stress because it might be higher. So the way that it works is we worked with Tom and what we did is we established benchmarks, ideal scores for specific positions. And then as we interview people, we do this, we take, have them take that Simmons survey. And then the results of that, we're able to then hold up against that benchmark, that ideal score, and say, okay, so based off of the people that we have that we like, we want their score to look like this. And their personality profile during the interview came up X or why, and, and, it, and it either matches or it doesn't. It's not 100% accurate. There are times where it's wrong, and there are times where I'll look back at it and say, wow, I, that was my score? <laughs> but um, <laughs> it is amazing when we, uh, you know, as, as I've used it and hired people with it, how accurate I find that to be. Um, and, and it helps also provide some, some um, tips on how to manage that kind of pers uh, person. Ryan, do that you use anything? Very interesting. Yeah. Uh, believe believe it or not, we do not uh, not anything in depth that much. Um, usually, uh, the people we have apply, you know, they're already going to be in a position of uh, management. So, I mean, there's very very little that we have to do on that terms. Um, but we've also been around people enough to already be able to read them, and autom almost automatically know exactly what type of person that is. Now, 
there's a few that will surprise us, uh, but it doesn't happen very often. And uh, usually we're not too far off of our assessment. And uh, I know the guys that we have, uh, you know, once we actually hire them and get them in there, it's such a quick learning process that, I mean, coming on into the, of course, what we call wildlife uh, sector, I mean, it's a life-changing event for every single one that, that makes that leap. Absolutely. There's no doubt that you can make a very, very healthy living uh, and, and do a lot of good. Um, one of the real traits that, that I like to look at is I believe you you have to have two skills, to, two personality traits to really succeed in either wildlife or, or pest control, and I'd love to get your guys' thoughts on it. I think you have to have a mindset of always be learning and a mindset of service to others. I think if when I find people that, that have those, uh, I find that we can train them to do whatever it is that they need to do to be successful and make a healthy living for their family. But it's based off of those two things, that they always want to learn and that they have a, a spirit of, of being in service to others. What, what do you guys think? Yeah, yeah I like that idea. <laughs> I would definitely agree with that. Uh, I know one of the other quality traits that we look for, and uh, this tends to resonate with me, is guys who are never satisfied. Uh, you know, the two you mentioned are, are definitely going to be up there, one and two, and then third, I would put, you know, not content. Um, that's what resonates with me. I mean, guys that that are go-getters. You want that guy that is never satisfied. He's always hungry. He's wanting more. Yes. Then he's willing to go out and do what it takes to make that happen. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I'm not sure uh, too much how the pest side works in terms of, you know, really 24-hour around-the-clock service. But for the wildlife, I mean, uh, I know – Bats in the interior at 12, 1, 2, 3 in the morning. I mean, your average technician is not going to get up and run those calls. But that <laughs> right. guy who's hungry, he will. And and that's that's what we look for. Do you guys see any pitfalls with that around um, because they're hungry? Maybe If you're looking at that, if, if you're looking for that trait, do you, do you find any issues where guys might be, like, more tempted to do side work, put the cash in their pocket, or, you know what, you guys aren't producing enough for me, so I'm going to go start my own business and then have issues with them competing with you or taking your customers? Any issues with that? Well, I, I could actually think, I think we're, uh, we're talking about that testing to show where their qualities are stronger at. You want that mm-hmm. hungry guy um like on the pest side, you probably agree, is the sales guy. You don't really want that attitude in this, just the guy, the regular pest tech. You want him to be observant and be able to find things that he's upselling, but you don't want him to be so hungry he's just not happy where he's at because the tech is kind of, in, in my world at least, is kind of on the lower end. That sales guy is the one I want to be starving and hungry and willing to go after anything. And I can tell you from, I mean, just our our sales techs, they work literally all the time, and there is more work than they can even get to. 
So, I mean, there's really no issue with them leaving because they can't even keep up as it is. Some markets are very nice like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, I, I feel blessed. We're in, we're in markets that are, I mean, major metro areas. They are great markets. And, and literally year after year after year, they just continually get busier than the year before. So I know that we were talking about the recruiting and, and then in terms of, of hiring. Um, so then the next piece for, for me at least is, is the training element. And I know Ryan's got a great um, uh, training program in place. Uh, we've just um, redesigned our training system here where uh, you know, so example for our exclusion technicians, the guys that are out there doing the repair work, they have a specific uh, course of instruction where literally at, for a trainee every day we have um, measurable um, items that we know that the trainer can say, today I'm going to train you on these three things. At the end of the day, I'm going to be looking for you to show me how to do it. At the end of that week then, the trainer is sitting down with that trainee and the manager and saying, okay, so here's what your course of instruction was, and here's where I saw, you know, here's what we, we needed you to do, here's what I saw you do, and here's where we need to improve, and here's where you're doing a good job. So we're providing real-time feedback on a weekly basis, um, and then that we also have similar programs for our pest technicians, um, and it carries on throughout the different divisions of the company, so that way it takes a lot of that pressure away from an annual review or a quarterly review, we're, we're providing more immediate feedback, um, and it starts right from the moment that they're hired, that with getting going in that training program and, and establishing that pattern of feedback. That's excellent. So how long would you say you're, uh, let's just bring on a new tech in your business, John, and how long would you say by the time you hire him, is he ready to go out on his own? Yeah, well, that's a that's a good one, and I think it really is going to depend. Um, everybody's going to have a different answer, right? And it's going to depend upon the seasonality in your market. Um, for us, for a lot of times, we have to wait an entire year uh, before somebody really, quote unquote, knows the pest control up here in the Seattle market. Um, you know, if we hire them on during the winter, they might not have the opportunity to get a termite job or to do a carpenter ant treatment until that spring or the following summer. Um, for us, we want technicians to be able, you know, we want them to be trained to really be able to, to know how to identify um, and come up with a, a treatment plan uh, and, and provide that, that uh, uh, and execute that treatment plan. So no sooner than a month and a half, usually it's about three months. Uh, and that's for um, a brand new licensed pest control person. If it's somebody who's green who's not licensed, we can get upwards of, you know, north of three months, uh, three to six months, depending upon how long it takes them to get licensed. Oh, yeah. I think I can speak on the wildlife side. Uh, like me and Ryan, actually, we're, just because of the, where we're at geographically, me dealing with winter, him not, as well as him in the metro areas and me in rural. Uh, I, mm -hmm. I don't know how long it's going to take Ryan to train a guy, but just the exposure to the jobs, I'm a good six months before I can put anybody out on their own here. So just we we have a system down to where we have it down to the ninety days. 
Yeah, that'd be nice. <laughs> and basically, we we go through a rigorous training uh, schedule where usually they're going to do a book work about the first uh, week and a half to two weeks. Then we are going to have them follow our pro team exclusion guides, which we have a couple teams in the Nashville area that that's all they do all day long is go job to job to job to job to job and do repairs, do restorations, do insulation. So they get to see all that stuff hands-on. Then we actually send them down to Charleston for another couple weeks, and then they're back in their own home territory training with the technician. So by 90 days, they are actually to the level where they could be a technician on their own oh yeah being able to provide them that much on the job is a big bonus that will speed up that process i know like me and this i know there's other guys out there in small areas and rural areas we just don't not it don't have the work available to give them that much hands-on short of time frame (laughs) we stretch a little longer (laughs) and of course one of the reasons we train them in charleston is Charleston's predominantly rats. Uh, one of the hardest animal and hardest jobs to take care of uh, that we see people booger up all the time is rat jobs. Come on, Ryan, right? it's not that this. hard. It's not that hard. You just got to find every access point. <laughs> that's it. That's it. You know, <laughs> that's and, all uh, you got to do is just find every access point. <laughs> that's it. And, uh, you know, that's one of the things. Uh, if we can get them uh, good with rats, you know, the larger animals are, are easy. Yeah, of course, I was just kidding you about that. Uh, we, we're, you know, <laughs> we're, we're, we're really rat-focused as well, and, and I agree that's, uh, that is a, a good measure. Uh, I would agree that that's a good measure for, um, for their level of, of uh, expertise in, in getting them rolling. For us, you know, with pest guys, it's, um, you know, we can get them out there treating, doing rat work uh, while they're training. Um, but I think that what's probably universal for, for all of us, you know, the four of us here and, and everybody else is about also knowing, holding them to standards, right? And, and whether those standards Absolutely. are about your core values or your company mission or, you know, the service level, you've got to know when to pull the cord. And that's something that, um, honestly, I'm, I'm introducing now here at, at Eastside is, is sometimes I feel like, People think, okay, I've got, I've gone a month in with this guy, and I don't want to lose him, and I know how hard it is to find somebody else, so I don't want to let him go. And I think that's a, um, it's a trap for us in this industry because then you end up stuck with somebody who's really not the the employee that you want, and then you have performance issues later on. That if we had, bit, you know, bit that bullet earlier on, we we could have headed that off. We struggled with that early on. We were in that same boat and felt that same way. You keep that wrong guy on, it's just going to get bad work worse and worse. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's one of the things, you know, we just had to eventually uh, cut the ties, and it couldn't have been better. Better for morale of the company, just, you know, better all the way around. Yep. I've had that experience last year myself. <laughs> guy just couldn't grasp everything, but. 
It was one of those I needed the help at the time, so I just tried to focus him on the jobs that really didn't matter what he did. <laughs> but ended up having to get rid of him. So, and I know that lots of uh, I know I know at least here in Washington we're at will employment. I think Texas is the same way. Um, you know, and what that means is that we can you know terminate somebody without giving a reason, and they can choose to leave without giving a reason. What we find, though, is that in actual practice, it's always best to have documentation, even though we're in at-will employment and I could, I could decide, you know what, I don't like the way you're, you know, the color of your shirt today. Um, I still need to have a valid documented reason. Otherwise, then it's going to get really hard for me to contest unemployment or anything else like that. It also Agreed. eliminates junior managers from making those kinds of decisions, right? You know, mm -hmm. uh, I, I, I get into a, a disagreement with you or I don't like pushback that you give me when I'm trying to, to give you direction. And so next week I'm going to let you go because I have a, I'm, I'm bearing a grudge. Um, so by having those procedures and policies in place where we require that documentation, it, it just keeps everybody uh, on the up and up and, and uh, avoids any issues later on. Same thing here. So We're heavy, heavy with documentation. My question is, is um, you wouldn't do like an evaluation, say like at the monthly meeting or something of that nature to, I don't really want to call it, give them a second chance, but maybe to straighten them out a little bit, have that little man-to-man -man talk to, you know, to straighten them out or maybe see oh, if sure. you can get them going on the right path. Oh, absolutely. I, I'm totally there, Ken. I, I think it's all about, you know, here, here's what here's what I here's what I observe, and this is what I need, and here's how you get better. I think we've all got to be able to have those conversations, and we have to train our managers to have those conversations. Um, but it's definitely about knowing when enough is enough, too. Yeah, I just didn't know if you were judging on um, in the field performance about the the man or. Or perhaps you did pull him aside to, you know, kind of give him that second chance kind of thing. Sure. I think there's all there's going to be um, there's there's always opportunity for there to be things that are so egregious that there is no second chance, right? Stealing from a customer, or uh, you know, using vehicles or equipment in an unsafe way that is harmful to them and others. You know, we we all know what those situations are. Yeah, I think for the most part, you can work with people, but we have to just be really clear in saying these are our expectations and have it be measurable, too. Um, one of the things I see a lot of managers doing is um, not giving a clear timeline. I want improvement, but by when? Is it by next week, tomorrow, next month, a year from now? Um, you know, I think we have to, if we're really being leaders and not managers, We've got to be able to show them, here's what I need from you, and here's the time frame, and here's how you get there. It's not just about saying, get, you know, figure out a way. Here's what I need. Go figure it out, right? We're not going to say, um, there's a raccoon in the attic. Go figure it out. You're, you're going to teach them and show them how to do it. And it's the right, same thing absolutely. with any quality standard, right? I think we still have to say, hey, I want you to improve on your whatever it is, your sales closing skills or, um, you know, how you fill out paperwork we've got to be able to teach them and train them how it is that, that we want them to get that, that task done. Yeah, do you find that um, 
keeping to keep a decent guy it's always that dollars and cents. Right you know, the, tackle out. the big paycheck, you know, I mean if you have a great tech that uh technically you see that you don't have to go behind him and what have you and say you started him out at fifteen bucks an hour. Okay. And mm-hmm. I know we're throwing dollars and cents out. Um, but a guy that is going to be a go-getter, and, and Will kind of touched on a little earlier about the incentive to to keep that guy around, you know. I mean, around here, everybody, you know, they're, they're not um, that savvy and doing a whole lot of the uh, repair work and what have you, but they always right. want that big dollar, you know. Oh, yeah. Uh, now, a few that we have that are on hourly, uh, which a majority of them are on commission, but a few that we have that are on hourly, uh, we do six months for reviews where they will get a incremental boost or raise, you know, providing their performances at a, an acceptable level. Uh, that keeps them on the right track and doing what they do mm-hmm. and doing a great job. Um, however, for the commission guys, obviously it works uh, – the more they go out and do, the more they're going to make. Exactly. I guess that's what I was trying to pull out of you is was whether it's, it's a, a salary-based or commission or hourly. We actually pay a salary plus a commission plus no. bonuses. And, uh, you know, even technicians that we have that are now techs that used to be other wildlife owners – I mean, you know, first thing we'll do is sit them down and ask them what's the most they've done in a year and then almost guarantee them if they listen to what we say, we can double that within the next year. And, of course, just had one one guy that's been with us two years now, and he actually doubled his previous year and was just shocked. I guess I'm going to take it in a different in a different tangent if I can, um, and maybe it's because of my market up here. Um, you know, you had asked a question about you know the, I kind of heard it as, as recruiting and you know what, what are the dollars that you have to put out there. I guess I look at it and um, as what's going to be the differentiator between us and and the next pest control company or wildlife control company that offers them a job. Because I think that model, whether you go hourly or commission or commission plus bonus or whatever the variable is, it's all it's all the same, right? I mean, the difference I think it has to come into, and certainly there's. I'm not trying to say people don't need to make a living and be able to support their families and pay their bills and make ends meet. One of the books that um, was required reading our management team, and I recommend it that everybody go out and read this, is The Three Signs of a Miserable Job, written by Patrick Lencioni. Great author. It talks about the three signs of a miserable job and why people ultimately leave their job. If you flip that around, I think it's also you can differentiate yourself to hire somebody in this really tight market that we've all just been talking about and not necessarily have to pay top dollar. Because I, I believe that the person that is just like our customers, the ones that you have to throw and undercut your own pricing 
in order to get their business, that's not the customer you want anyways because they'll go out and no. run after the next guy that waves a coupon in their face, right? Uh, right. And I think the same is true for somebody who comes to your company because they want, quote, unquote, top dollar. That person will be with you and maybe, you know, hey, if you have a mutual understanding, hey, I'm going to use you for as long as you're here because you're a superstar and you're going to bring in a lot of, of business for, for my company. But then in a year from now, if I can keep you that long, you're going to run off to the next company that offers you, quote, unquote, top dollar, right? So I think uh, what it comes into – go ahead. Um, I'll let you finish. No. So I, what I was just going to say, and I, I won't go on too long, it's just I think a, a big differentiator in how we get people is not only a, an attractive compensation package, however it's made up, but it's also about the company culture and it's recognizing the individual and getting that across during the interview. And not just it's not just during the interview. It's all throughout the process. That's how you hire the top people, and that's how you keep the top people, I believe. I agree with that. I think it has a lot to do with environment as well. Uh-huh. Work environment. I mean, uh, you know, most of our employees, we, when they join our team, we actually form a tight-knit brotherhood. Uh, it's, you know, we don't necessarily micromanage them, you know, day after day. But if we see somebody struggling in a certain area, we'll come together as a brotherhood and actually help them out, help them understand the right way to do this, do that. And that is what we've seen, that it makes people inviting to the, of course, uh, want to join our team. And it's actually been successful at keeping guys long-term, in addition to the money. But yeah, it's, I think environment has so much to do with it. Uh-huh. You know, and that's where we're we're going to differ, differentiate than other wildlife companies. How's that? With the environment. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, I agree. Now, pay, you know, there may be some out there that pays what we pay, but the environment's going to be night and day difference. Yeah. Yeah. I know I pay extremely well for my help, but I, I am kind of a jerk, though, too. I, I expect it. <laughs> <laughs> down to you it's it's not it's okay for us to have those expectations uh you know we communicate that and then we train for them to to uh to be able to achieve that and so i think i I hear us all talking about the same thing right it's it's about um that that measurement and and being able to give that feedback to people so that way they stay on with us i know that's our biggest pain more than losing a customer it's losing somebody who you've invested a lot of time in. You know, we had to we had to recruit them, we had to hire them, we had to onboard them, we had to train them, we had to outfit them with all the gear that they need, and then to lose them inside of a year, that's incredibly that. painful. Looking at yeah. The, yeah, all over again too. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah, so, that is painful. I hate losing people. Yeah. And I think that's also the reason why 
I think some business owners don't want to fire somebody too. And, and that's the piece that where I think, again, it's that trap. And, and I don't know that there's an answer to it, right? You can't hold on to bad people, you know, like we've already talked about. It just continues to cascade and snowball. At the same luckily, time, there's a, a real – yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, luckily, I have a director of operations that uh, is usually the first on board to fire. There you go. I, I have to talk him off the ledge sometimes and find out what's a, what's a good way to work <laughs> with this individual. <laughs> right. And, and so I think for the smaller business, right, that maybe doesn't have the infrastructure that, that Ryan and I have, it's, it's um, you know, it's, it's tough to make that decision um, because you're trying to grow your business so you can get to that level so where you don't have to work seven days a week, right, where you're not the guy running out checking those traps at, you know, three in the morning or on a Sunday. Um, but I do think that, that if you hold on to a bad person um, to try and chase that, and, and it just creates more problems. But if you think about it, you kind of work your way backwards from that, right? Why did we hire yeah. a bad person? Why, why, how did that person get on, get a, you know, right, right, right seat on the, on the bus? The right person in the right seat. Don, let me ask you, uh, since you're in the pest side, what are some of the challenges that you have with some of the technicians that just, once they start, you just know it, there's no coming back from it? <laughs> He's got to think on that one. <laughs> no, actually, uh, it shows that he, he hung up, so... Oh, or he might have just got disconnected, you know. He's working on it. I know for us, uh, in particular, you know, I'm a, I'm a big one on if you do something, own up to it. So uh, damaged equipment, you know, if guys try to hide that, that that personally gets to me. Oh. I, I watched one guy in my rearview mirror decide to Baja one of my trucks over a driveway because he fell asleep at the wheel. He didn't oh. even make it back to the shop to get fired. <laughs> I stopped the convoy, took him out, and that was it. <laughs> he got a wow. ride office, but he didn't even get there with a name on. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I mean, we, we've had technicians damage vehicles and try to hide it, and that's that's something, you know, I will sit you down one time and give you a talking to and say, look, you know, don't let this happen again. I mean, that's something we don't tolerate. And if it does, I mean, that's it. Yeah, Don's back with us, by the way. Yep. I'm back. Sorry about that. <laughs> oh, Sorry, guys. He left us and then he came back, guys. <laughs> <laughs> We were just covering some uh, simple methods of reasoning for firing. Uh, Will was talking about uh, one guy took one of his company trucks and went Bahan because he fell asleep, so that was instant to be gone. <laughs> and then, uh, <laughs> and then um, we had talked about uh, damaging equipment as well. So, how about yourself? What what would be some of your specifics to to dismiss somebody like ASAP? 
sure. Yeah, so uh, an immediate fire would be, you know, things like uh, uh, showing up uh, intoxicated um, or if they got into an accident and then we discovered, uh, you know, we have a mandatory uh, uh, UA. Once you, if you get into an accident, you're going to go pee in a cup. And uh, we Absolutely. based off of that, uh, you were under the influence. And up here, remember Washington and Colorado were both uh, herb friendly. Uh, so we consider that the same thing. If you're, you know, if you're uh, under the influence at work, you're, uh, you know, you're gone. Uh, we we just have to hold that standard. Um, damage does that does that include bit. marijuana? Since you're herb friendly. Yes. Yeah. Herb friendly. Yep. Yeah. 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 Since it's since it's legal up here, and that was something that was new, right? As soon as that law got passed. Uh, we had to change our, our drug and alcohol policy to include, um, you know, marijuana use um, since, it, since it is now legal. Pose interesting problems, but in the two years since, we've not, I've not come across anybody that we've had to had to cut because of it. That's but um, for us, uh, equipment damaging, uh, that's a little bit different. I mean, short of them deliberately, you know, wrecking their vehicle. Uh, you know, I guess that would be the obvious one. Um, gosh, you know. Um, that's that's one of the ones for us. Having 20 trucks, you know, guys will ding it. And if they ding it, if they do something, we have a policy, you know, you have to alert a manager immediately. If guys don't, that kind of brings up red flags for us as sure. why they didn't alert us, you know, if they got in an accident. I mean, these days it's, you know, no telling what you run across. But, I mean, that's that's one of our big things. Yeah. I think in the pest side, if you got, you know, for us we've got, you know, technicians who are out in the field. They're pretty much pretty autonomous. Uh, it's almost like they're running their own business. They're out there running their route. We want to be working all day, being productive, meeting the needs of our customers. Um, and so if we find that they're not actually out there doing what they need to do, you know, even that, that's a correctable behavior. You know? And it may very well lead to them you know, deciding this isn't a fit, the right place for them or us deciding they're not the right fit for the company anymore. Um, but even that, and I've run across that, uh, and you guys probably have already. To the, you know, even then, I haven't fired somebody right away because of that. I think that's something you can kind of work through. Anything yeah. that's going to cost me a lot of money is pretty much when they're gone. Like if they go out yeah. and sell my termite rig to somebody else, they're out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Probably the, the one instance that we've had that I can think of uh, in the seven years, I guess, that I've been doing this is when a technician finally gets to their breaking point, they have a communicate with a manager, and they just get to a job site and they say, I'm not going to do this, right? Whether it's I'm not going to go up on that roof and repair that, or I'm not going to talk to the customer, or you know, I, I'm not going to sell this service. As soon as I hear I'm not going to you know, short, as long as I'm not putting them in danger and we're not doing anything unethical, 
that that's kind of an immediate uh that's where okay now now there's now we're done yeah you don't the techs do not tell me how they're going to do their job <laughs> yeah you know we we just encountered that uh, and that's one of the reasons we turned the guys in Charleston because buildings are high you know they they're tall you're dealing with you know close quarter repairs and you know, by the time you get somebody to the top of the 40-foot ladder, if they tell you, I, I can't, like the last guy we had, uh, you know, that was a pretty immediate termination. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's a kind of a job requirement in wildlife field. No, you got to be a fucking white freak. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and that's part of the for the training process. That's where we try to really expose them to the environment and the tools and the things they're going to have to do, even in the training process. So that way, we try and head off that resistance. You know, if they don't feel comfortable getting on a rooftop, we want to know that right up front. So that way, we can say, okay, before we invest, you know, the next month and a half, two months of training you, uh, you know, let's let's flush you out of the system uh, quickly. Uh, it's easier to take the pain of, of uh, you know, going out and having to recruit and hire than, than, than the loss of, of, uh, of all that training resource. Yep. <laughs> now, I know one of the common uh, issues that we've had over the years is, I know especially when guys start selling a lot and they're doing, you know, so much revenue a year, they tend to get a big head. And it's easy to do in the wildlife field. I don't know if any of uh, you guys have had issues with technicians getting a big head. <laughs> or, maybe, or maybe other owners. Or <laughs> yeah, other owners are a good one. <laughs> I know uh, personally, I mean, we've we've dealt with it. I mean, uh, we've ended up losing, I mean, two of our top producers over it. Yeah, it's it's something that uh that, that I think everybody faces and I think some of it comes back plays back into the, the guy who wants top dollar. Sometimes it comes out because you've um you know, I, I had a technician where I worked closely with him, we were expanding into a new market. It was a shared risk, shared reward. Um initially we didn't have a large customer base in this, in this specific area. Uh, we invest a lot of marketing uh, dollars and energy and resources into building this up. And uh, he was patient. He kept, you know, he was following the training, selling the, the services, getting more and more ongoing customers. And, and it did go to his head where he transitioned and, and it suddenly became, these are my customers. And um, I'm the one that, that made this happen. And, um, I think for any business, it's about you know the dollars that we invest in marketing. Um, they're the companies, right? They're they're, they're ours as owners. Um, so that kind of tangents off into the whole you know, non-solicit agreement that every owner probably has to have um, nowadays. But yeah, it, it happens certainly. Uh, I'm sure in every business. Right. You know, I, luckily I have not come across that myself yet. So. But there's always going to be a first time. I'm sure I'll find it eventually. <laughs> and it wasn't too long ago. I was talking to another operator that was saying saying that same uh, the same stuff like that, and I was like, yeah, I think everybody's gone through it if you've had employees. 
Yeah, if you haven't, you haven't been in business long enough. That's pretty much the rule to almost everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You just haven't been in business long enough. <laughs> haven't had a mad customer? You haven't been in business long enough. <laughs> right. A right. excuse. <laughs> yeah. You know, one of the things, since we're on the subject of hiring and recruiting, I'll share with you something uh, we got feedback today on, in fact. And I'm curious if you guys do this. We've been wanting to do this um, uh, technique during the interview process where after we uh, interview somebody here in our office, we want to take them out in the field with, uh, to do a day's ride-along with a technician so they can get a sense of, you know, what is that job really like in the field before they even agree to come on board before we decide we're going to hire them. We want them to get a real good sense of that. Do you guys do that? Oh, I've got that down. What we do is I throw them into the absolute worst situation we've got. <laughs> I, I actually do. Anybody that is interested in working for me, I save until we're doing that big, ugly attic. <laughs> or we're doing that bird cleanup up on a roof that's three stories high or something. I wait yeah. and bring them in on that massive job that's in the crappiest environment to see if they're going to hack through it. Because if they can make that, then hell, riding around in a truck checking traps is nothing. Well, that's one of the reasons we start off the guys with the repair guys uh, the first two weeks. Because if they can make it through big nasty attics daily, nasty, dark, dingy crawl spaces nightly, they're going to do all right. Yeah, if they can live in the respirator land, they'll make it everywhere else. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so what we – so for us, what we actually just got feedback today. In fact, I was doing some research to get ready for this call. Um, our HR attorney told us that um, if they're not on staff, if they're not being paid, they have to be paid for it. Right for that time, at least up here. I don't know if that's true in your state. So just a heads up for all of our listeners, you might want to check what laws are in, in your specific state. Um, they let us know that we cannot just send somebody out um, on that uh, uh, field day, if you will, without paying them. So then that becomes, well, then you got to, basically you're hiring them, right, going through all the onboarding paperwork, or you pay them as a as a uh, contractor, uh, you know, a W-9 contractor, uh, one or the other. So that kind of throws a, a new wrench in our in our uh, uh, recruiting and, and hiring practice up here. We have the same policy with that. Um, we were, of course, our one of our office managers uh, was up in the state and used to do everything for the HR department up there. So. He's very familiar with all those different rules and regulations, and uh, that was one of the things that uh, we had tossed out that he had he had shot down. Well, about doing the so right along. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. they they have to be on training pay and a employee. Yeah. Well, I just bring them in on a part time basis, and poof, they're paid. Now <laughs> we brought it up the W nines and everything. What do you guys uh -huh. think about these guys? I know a lot of guys out there that are doing this. They're actually bringing on that help as a 1099 sub instead of a yeah. payroll employee. I think a lot of guys don't realize the mistake they do when they do that. 
because a sub, by definition, has to have their their, their own entity. They've got to have their licensing. They got to have mm-hmm. their insurance. Got to have all of that. You can't just pay your employees on ten on ten ninety nine just to avoid payroll. Right. Right. And I apologize. You you got it's kind of I I said W nine. Oh, sorry. It's it's a ten ninety nine. That was the option for us. You either hire them on as a ten ninety nine. But yes, they have to meet the legal definition of that and have their own uh, corporate entity, or they have to be hired on as an employee. That was that was the issue here. So I agree with you. That's that's not a viable solution in, in my mind. Oh yeah, it, it wasn't a solution to the problem you were facing. I'm just seeing a lot of guys going that route instead of actually just hiring the guys on proper uh-huh. payroll the way it's required. Yeah. Yeah, I think one of the posts I saw on one of the the threads, uh, uh, and when I've heard of it, and it's been suggested to me, was uh, you know how you can go by Home Depot, and uh, there'll be day laborers that are out there that oh. that are for hire, right? And, and so somebody had made the recommendation, and <laughs> well, I'll just go do that. I, you know, I've got an installation job, so I'm gonna just swing by the Home Depot, grab some guys, and and we'll go take care of it. Um, uh, you know, we, we don't do that. Uh, I would certainly discourage anybody from doing that. Um, you're exposing uh, your company to all kinds of liabilities. You haven't vetted these guys. Oh, okay. You know their quality of work. I mean, just all kinds of issues that can come up with that. Liability issues alone, the fact that you are liable for anything they do because mm-hmm. they are not an entity with their own paperwork to where you can push the blame to them. Uh-huh. Yeah. They screw up, you just ate it. Absolutely. And and unless you're planning on keeping your eyes on them the entire time, even if everything you know else worked out, how do you know they're not doing something that they shouldn't be doing? You know, that uh you know, I, I know of companies that even with their own uh regular full time staff, they get accused of, you know, oh I, they stole this or they took that or they broke this or broke that. Trying to keep track of that for uh hourly pay Workers, I think, is just a, a nightmare. Absolutely. Is anybody else having trouble thinking of topics? Because <laughs> I know <laughs> I'll think of something, then poof, you guys run right through it during the monologue, and then I'm sorry. <laughs> here went my topic. <laughs> How about you, Kevin? Well, I'm just a small guy. I I don't go through the the rigorous of any of that. I don't hire that way there. I don't fire. Um, I'm just a one-man band, so to speak, in a small town and, you know, cover cover several different counties. So I don't, I don't do any hiring. Um, I think I would be a little more uh, on the firing aspect. I, I myself, uh, I don't want to sound like a tough guy, but I would not tolerate uh, really anything. I mean, Everything would be uh, explained to them, and if I if there was something that they did, whether it was lit back to a customer, a wrecked vehicle, I wouldn't give them any particular, you know, a long spiel. Say sorry, George, I gotta let you go because of, you know, it would just be you're done. Uh-huh. You know, I mean, there's no reason to really have to give them a good explanation because if they're gonna um, collect unemployment. Uh, the only one you have to give an explanation to would be the unemployment office, you know. So, that's it. but that's just me. 
<laughs> See Kevin waiting at the door with a baseball bat, just chasing his help off. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kevin, do you do any um, like do you do any, do any seasonal ramp up at all, like during the summer, or is it just just you all year round? Um, once in a while, I get my wife to help me do like an attic restoration or something like that. Um, but other than that, like I say, I don't, I don't get friends to help me out or, or a brother-in-law or son-in-law or anything like that. Um, up here we are seasonal because I'm way up in the north. Um, so we, you know, we have about maybe, well, I'll just give you, we, we start usually, this past winter we went off through the winter with a call here and a call there, okay? So that's in our off season, so to speak. And then our, our normal season usually starts around March. And then we'll go into like October. So that's the the monthly thing. So about six months, I'm working kind of solid. And then the others could be periodically. It depends on the season, you know. Yeah. And then the north for wildlife guys can be a challenge, no matter what. Yeah. Well, you know, you brought the guy in there, Will, Mark. Um, he's kind of in the same region as me, just a little bit south, and he's really having a tough time going, you know. Yeah, I think I think I would fall right about between you and Ryan. Ryan's full-time year-round where he's at down there in Tennessee area. I get about nine to ten months worth of good, solid work a year. Uh, just because I don't get as much of a winter as you do all the way up here in Michigan. Right. There are a few. If we get one tough winter, it it'll slow down. Like uh, when that vortex thingy came through, that pretty much closed us down for about five months. So <laughs> that was a little bit rougher. But that's where um, when I added the pest control, I added that specifically to help bump our slow season, so it, we didn't have it anymore. And it has actually worked out. It's disappeared. We don't have a slow season now. <laughs> Did I answer all your questions there, Don, or? Yeah, yeah, I was just, I'm wondering, you know, I know probably a lot of our listeners uh, uh, do seasonal hiring, and because I don't do that, I'm just wondering if we're, you know, answering the unasked question, which is for those guys that do look at that, what what are maybe some best practices there? Yeah, Um, some of our other podcasts, we, you know, I mean, most of the people that, that listens to our podcast kind of knows um, that we're, you know, where, so to speak, each of us are at, like myself and Will. Um, We did a couple of shows, I believe it was, with Ryan, one or two anyways. Um, So we kind of got a good grasp on what he does or how he does it, when he does it, you know. So um, I guess if you follow us, then you kind of know what each other is, uh, so to speak. Yeah, you get a rough idea as to where in the nation what is busy at what time of the year. Because, like, when me and Kevin oh, yeah. do nothing, Ryan's down there chasing squirrels 24-7. Yeah, I mean, the day after Christmas, we explode with uh, skunk mating and breeding to where literally the day after Christmas we will explode with calls where it will be dark to dark for the next several months. Yeah, see, we don't have that here. <laughs> I don't have that problem. Christmas, I'm just hoping that we get snow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, I have noticed the past two years, Louisville is the northest area we operate, and I have noticed the past two years 
that when the torrential snowfall comes, it will shut that area completely down. Louisville torrential, what is that, three inches? <laughs> uh, you know, past two years, I think it's been, you know, six to eight. <laughs> oh, come up a little further north, right, Kevin? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. <laughs> Where I'm at, I'm lucky if we get three or four plowable snows a year. So we don't really have a lot of winter. But, Kevin, you got to have a snowmobile where he lives. <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah, like this past winter, and I know we're kind of getting off base here, but um, this past winter we had several drops that were in the 8 to 10 inch overnight. And so we say we have uh, 7 inches or so established from usually December to, say, February. And then, you know, we end up getting like the 7 to 10 inch drop or, or even more at some times. Um, I live out in the country, so we get the blowing and drifting, so it adds up a little more even. Yeah, see, this past winter, it didn't even get cold enough here for the ground to actually freeze. I dealt with mud. Now, Will and, and Don, uh, Will, you probably would be in the spring, I would think, uh, in terms of your best time for hiring. Or if you ever are hiring, when when you'd be looking to bring somebody on? Start putting the feelers out about midwinter to prep for my busier season. Like uh, in fact, actually, I've I've been running an ad for God five months, and you know what's sad is I'm still looking for a guy. <laughs> <laughs> I've had and people just aren't even showing up. <laughs> I don't know how That's many. Crazy. Times. I'm having a hell of a time. I went from being able to, I I would usually use referrals from people I knew, and I'd use them on a large job and then bring them in. Man, I'm not even finding those people anymore. <laughs> yeah, for us, um, it's, uh, yeah, it used to be where um, you, you'd hire in the spring, get ready for summer, keep that person on as a pest control guy, um, you know, start looking again in the wintertime. Um, now it's year round. It, it really is because it's it's a tough market. Uh, as we started off talking about, um, you know, we got a, you know, we're we're recruiting for different positions. You know, whether it's office or right. technicians or exclusion guys. So it's an ongoing, never ending process. We literally always have ads running. We're always interviewing uh, and screening, um, and we see it as an opportunity to not just bring in new talent, but also you know, sometimes you get the opportunity, hey, maybe there's an opportunity for an upgrade. Uh, right. you know, somebody who you've kind of been just having to, you know, hobble along with them, uh, then it's an opportunity for us to, to make a, a decision and, and uh, an upgrade. I was curious about that because that's, that's pretty much how we are is we, we hire year-round. Yeah. I've got to time my hiring so that they're here and on site for when the jobs pick up. And if they work out, then they bring me enough money that I can just keep them on through the winter, no big deal. But if I am, I'm looking early in the year so that they're here when the jobs start rolling. So at least I can start getting them trained before it gets insane. Maybe by the end of the year, they can actually go running on their own. I know one area that we've been looking for about two years now. And we have had the toughest time finding anybody. And that is Memphis, Tennessee. <laughs> I can tell you why. <laughs> yeah, 
being down there. <laughs> oh. That is the toughest area to hire in. Um, what is I'm I'm not uh, familiar with. I mean, I've, I've been in Memphis, but what is it? Uh, what is it about Memphis that makes it hard to hire? You know, it's a great area. A uh, lot of wildlife. A lot of wildlife problems. But I think the city has such a high crime rate. Uh, mm. People are leaving Memphis left and right. Yeah, when I was down there, some lady actually had told my wife that she shouldn't even walk outside alone. So. Wow. <laughs> I don't want anything to do with uh, that. <laughs> I did, did read a news report the other day that it said uh, every parking lot you pull in, there'll be broken glass. Wow. <laughs> would you guys ever consider, for your tough markets where you're not able to find somebody, would you consider relocating somebody from, you know, like hiring even, uh, going aggressive and hiring out of state or out of a certain Absolutely. area and, and bring them? Absolutely, if they're willing to. I guess you got to find that guy that's willing to, because you can't just throw money at them, because they may get mm-hmm. there and go, "Oh, screw this." <laughs> well, that's yeah. that's one of the added incentives we have uh, that we we explain to the guys during the training process uh, that even though you're right here right now, at any time you want to go anywhere in the U.S. Once you're trained, you let us know where we'll make it happen. And even pay your mortgage for the first two months to make it an easy transition. Wow. Okay. And we have had three, four different technicians take advantage of that. Wow. Great. I got one uh, actually in Chattanooga right now that's fixing to relocate to Tampa. That's fantastic that you're in those different markets where you can offer that kind of uh, relocation. Uh, it helps you, you know, when you've got good staff like that, uh, rather than lose them, just transfer them to another office. That's great. Oh, yeah. And uh, especially from a technician standpoint, not having to worry about bills and things like that, that just greatly, greatly helps out. And especially in a market that we're already doing pretty good business in. I'm just waiting for somebody to say, I want to go to Michigan. <laughs> or I want to go to Indiana. So we're going to go, ooh. Yeah, well, I'll tell you, if you are going to send somebody to Michigan, keep them south or uh, west. Uh, believe it or not, I actually had a uh, guy beg me for a job in Michigan. I met him uh, in South Carolina, and I mean this guy. He was a nice guy. Uh he would have probably done great, but Michigan scares me. And it's well, uh, the winter winter off months. Yeah, could be the downside. You know, if you stay down south, like uh, around Detroit and Lansing, uh, you still do get a a couple of months off, but it's nothing like up here. And and we're talking like about a four and a half hour uh, time driving time difference to kind of give you a distance. It's 435 miles, I think. Oh, wow. That's south, so. I think it's about, up, about 400 yeah. miles from me to Detroit as well. Yeah. Yeah, you'd have to stick yeah. around the Detroit, Lansing, um, 
and then all along the west coast, or what we call the west coast, goes up to Lake Michigan. That's where the oh, money's yeah. at. Yeah, over here on my side of the state, um, it's, you know, I don't want to say it's low, but it's not, you're not going to make the money that you do, you know, there. on the other side of the state. You get I mean, it. that's just like people talk, try to talk us into how pricing goes, you know. How do you price that job? And here we are jumping off to a different subject, but, you know, and I can't really talk to anybody on it because it's just so much different from here to, mm-hmm. say, 130 miles from here, you know. Right. So. Yeah. Like here in Indianapolis, I mean, those guys can charge three or four times what I do, and that's only an hour away. So, <laughs> But yeah. you know, them guys can come down here, nobody will pay that price here. They just won't do it. But uh, if you're going to travel further north to operate, you've got to find those metro areas or the higher income areas because you've got to be able to support yourself in that down season because you're going to have it. Right. I got um, a guy that I got started on the West Coast. He's not affiliated with me, just basically a friend, and I got him started in um, the nuisance control business which is over by Traverse City, which is a is a good metropolitan area, and there's money there. And um, he works the same amount as I do as far as the time frame goes. And uh, he actually, uh, I think he's been in business like five years now, and he has a part-time hire-on guy. So uh, he's doing pretty good over there. And um, that's Al uh, Schrader. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I met him. Yeah. So, you know, and he, he does pretty much everything, uh, you know, to to accommodate the seasons, you know. Yeah, you've got to... I think he actually came to the Vegas convention. Yeah, he could have. Yeah. Yeah, so but um, yeah, he's retired, basically retired uh, through, through General Motors. So it's, it's he's got an income, but... Um, right. I don't know really what he makes over there, but he does rather well compared to this side of the state. Hmm. And so that's, I like that. That's really uh, that's like a creative way to, um, you know, to hire and kind of circling back to where are we looking to find these people? How do you guys feel about? I mean, I know there's a big push right now, and, and I'm a veteran. Uh, and and I'm I'm a little embarrassed. Uh, a little. I, I am greatly embarrassed to say we don't have a program to hire vets. And I kind of think about some of the traits when we talk about personality traits and things. Um, I think about buddies that I've served with. That yeah, there's going to be some that I would say, yeah, no way, I'm not going to bring you uh, here. But then there are other guys that I would say, yeah, absolutely, that's who I'm looking for. Um, do you guys have programs um, to to recruit and hire vets? I know that we actually, I actually will ask if they've been in the military because I'm a vet, my dad's a vet, we're veteran-owned. So if they've been in, then they're going to get a little bit closer to the top of the list <laughs> above everybody else. But, yeah, I, I try to hire them because they've gone through some rigorous training as is, but even like you said, there's guys that you were in with that you wouldn't trust with anything. So right. but I try them first. <laughs> We we've had some vets work for us, and uh, you know some of them great guys, and then some of them uh, are kind of question what we we're thinking. Um, 
but I think there's, and we've debated on a program to actually, you know, make it available for vets to do this. Uh-huh. And I think that'd be a great program. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that'll be something for us uh, as a, as an association to, to look more at. I think there's definitely a need, right? There's lots of lots of folks that need uh, veterans that, that need employment, and, and we have the opportunity to do that. I know that um, our VA in Michigan here, they uh, have a program to uh, get vets working. Um, it doesn't matter really what the field is, but say like I uh, one guy here, I won't name his name, but he's a veteran, and um, he had the Veterans Administration help him uh, build his business a little bit. And by building, and I mean they didn't give him money, but they give him equipment. And so he wow. had to prove, you know, he had to prove um, what his income and all this, you know, he had to show the bare bones of what he's really doing and what he's making. And, and uh, you know, they helped him out um, in that aspect, you know, basically huh. by giving him uh, equipment to, to make his business grow more. Just So to start his business or to augment the, the business that he had already started? Yeah, to augment it. Oh, interesting. So he expanded. Uh, I, I know a few items that they got him. Um, they got him a uh, back for doing uh, attic restoration. Uh, oh, wow. They got him a trailer, a uh, single axle uh, enclosed trailer. Um, uh, there's a few other items that he told me about. You know, it wasn't overnight that he got it. I mean, he had to, you know, go through the the application stuff that you have to do to prove and and but you know so I I thought that was a pretty nice uh, incentive you know for for a veteran oh absolutely know? yeah oh, huh but as far as starting yeah, a business I don't I don't know too much um, about that you know I would assume they would have some sort of a package if they helped this other guy do what I just mentioned, you know. Right. So. And I believe I've heard some sort of incentives for actually businesses that that do offer a program for pets. I'll have to check that out, and maybe that's, uh, you know, it's, uh, something that we can maybe talk about a little bit more uh, uh, you know, in the future is, is uh, you know, how that might be a good way for folks to be able to recruit. Now, one question I'm curious to hear, hear the answer to is what's some disqualifying initial, uh, you know, new hire applying for a job, some initial disqualifying uh, things that that applicant can do when they show up? The first appearance, absolute, you're not getting the job kind of thing. Yeah. Them guys that show up with them big freaking holes in their cheeks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're not no damn way. <laughs> I can do tattoos, I can do some piercings, but if you show up looking like a goblin, you're done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know, up here we get a lot of guys with uh, with tattoos and the sleeves and such. And uh, you know, we've got to try to take a little bit more um, 
liberal view with with that. But you know, any offensive tattoos, we're not going to hire them. Any uh, you know, exactly the holes in the face. That's you know, you have to be presentable. I mean, ultimately, we're we're in a service industry where we have to connect with with uh, uh, you know the consumer and, and our target market is such that they just wouldn't you know. Ultimately, you could say, "Hey, they're being judgmental," but it, it's the customers that we're after, uh, and they're not just gonna, not going to accept it. Yeah, Would you hire a uh, new hire that shows up in shorts? Well, I don't see anything wrong with the shorts as long as it's just the interview. It's just shorts. <laughs> I mean, I maybe he I mean, he's got to be told what proper protective wear is for the job, but. On an interview alone, I wouldn't hold that against him myself. What about you? I think you, we Tom? did a show did a show on that as well. Uh, you know, about we talked about different dress codes, uh, not yeah. so much on the hiring aspect, but what we would let our our uh, people wear. You know, and most everybody had said that they do have a uniform, whether it's a shirt and jeans or right. or something of that nature. You know. Um, as far as the guy that has the offensive tattoo, if it depends on where it's at and if it can get covered up. I guess if, if I was going to hire somebody and he had good qualifications, um, I wouldn't base it just because he has FU uh, tattooed on his arm, you know. But yeah, if but it can be concealed. <laughs> go, go ahead. If he's got it tattooed on his forehead, though. <laughs> yeah. Be concealed by the typical uniform. I've got no issue with. It. I don't even care if the, if he's got those big sleeve tattoos that he's wearing a short sleeve shirt. I don't care as long as there's nothing offensive. Yeah, most and of those are pretty pretty cool. You know, I mean, it's just graphic. You know, it's not so much uh, like nudity or uh, bad language or anything like that. You know, I don't need those satanic symbols or naked chicks or cussing people yeah. out. There's, there's we, a- we actually do have one technician that it, that does have tatted arms. Even though we're not uh, necessarily for that, we don't hold it against him. And he right. still goes out and does a great job. Right. And and he's very professional while he does it. Yeah, that's not judging the book by its cover, you know. Yeah, I, I've got some ink, so I can't really say too much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I think um, you know, for, for us, if um, you know, I want I want guys to to uh, they, they certainly aren't going to show up in a suit, right? I, I want them to dress for right. the job. If, if to me, if you showed up in a suit and you're applying for an exclusion job or an insulation job, you're, you're not dressed for the for the job. But I would also say I'm also not going to hire somebody who shows up in shorts. And maybe it's a cultural thing. Uh, and see, that's the way uh, I up, am. up here, yeah. because that too, you're not dressed for the job. So <laughs> I don't mind if a guy shows up in in clean jeans and a t-shirt, um, but it shows, you know, hey, if you can put on a button-up shirt, even if it's just a a short sleeve button-up shirt, that shows me a little bit more professionalism, and that and that's a part of what we're looking for. Right. I think I can, uh, it depends on the style of shorts. <laughs> I could go with something clean. I mean, if it is hot, I can understand some shorts because I might be wearing them myself. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I mean, I I could see that. Yeah, you want to. What's You're that just thing? a bad influence, Will. No, uh, what do I tell everybody? <laughs> you say not like this. 
right. And we we've been giving interviews here uh, a lot here the past uh, month, and we have you know just kind of chuckled at the uh, amount of different applicants that show up, and not just shorts, but you even get jorts or the jams. I mean, uh, it's it works. It's like it's like half half jam, half short. <laughs> I mean, some of this stuff you can't even make up. <laughs> like yoga tights? <laughs> no, no. Oh, <laughs> uh, you're fired. I don't even know. I don't even know. If I'm yeah. <laughs> Give that interview. How could you stop laughing? <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, dude, what are you applying for? Exactly. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and, you know, one of the first questions we ask them is, what do you know about us? Yeah. Right. And, you know, believe it or not, we get some applicants that really will know nothing about us. And we'll just go ahead and stop the interview right there. I had one guy give the best answer to something like that. <laughs> how, how did you hear about us? How do you know about us? Oh, I love your tailgate. <laughs> 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 really? <laughs> That's what you got? Because <laughs> I saw it on the way in. <laughs> yeah, they see them everywhere. If you recognize our tailgate. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, I've seen yours now. So what would be some other absolute immediate, they walk in, they're done type of thing? I'm thinking if they walk in smoking right there, just walking into the building. Not that I have anything against cigarettes, but it's just bad to walk into an interview. You know, I'm, I think, I'm a big one with regulations. Uh, you know, been in trouble with the law. Being licensed with the state, I can tell you that's one of the first things the state's going to do a background check before they license an individual and look and see if they have ever been convicted of felony. Uh-huh. See, here in Indiana, they don't apply that, though. It doesn't even come up. Not on your wildlife or your pest permit. I think for me, one of the things that I would look for, um, you know, it's the questions they ask during the interview. Um, you know, I want to try and tailor it to where it's about 50-50, where I'm asking questions and they're asking questions. And I, I try to pay attention to the types of questions that they're asking. Um, and, you know, if the first thing they're asking is about, is about how many days off do I get, um, if, that, if that's a part of that first interview, that, that's it's probably not going to result in, I mean, you have to really impress me with your, your technical background then uh, in order for us to get much further. Right. Or that guy that his first word is, uh, how much does this pay? <laughs> right. Yeah, right. Get it? Go home. <laughs> Did I get insurance with that? <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. go away. <laughs> how many days probation am I on? <laughs> uh-huh. Or do I get to drive one of those? Right. <laughs> yeah. We get that See, if I was to hire somebody up here, I wouldn't have to worry about that because half of them don't have a driver's license, so they would be uh, <laughs> backseat drivers. Oh. 
like I said, when you're in a small, and I don't mean to talk down my town, but when you're in a small town and alcohol is your friend, you know, it's kind of tough to hire somebody. Yep. I don't think it matter if it's a small town or not. There's still a lot of that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, smelling of booze if you walk up to the interview. That's an instant mm-hmm. no-no. Now I'm I'm curious to hear some different places you guys actually seek to find qualified individuals. Most of mine over the years have just been word of mouth. People that know me or somebody I know that knows them, that's typically the way we've always done it. But like I've said earlier, we've kind of hit a point where we're just not finding those people anymore. And even the ones right. that we do, I don't want to work. <laughs> I think there's too much of the uh, free society going on at this exact point in time. I'm getting a ton of uh, resumes, and I'm, I'm setting up interviews, and not, people aren't even showing up. I'm really beginning to think that all they're doing is fulfilling their unemployment requirements. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, we, yeah, believe it or not, get a lot of those. I've actually had to just stop setting up these interviews and tell them we're going to call you to verify first. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good way to head that head that one up. Mm-hmm. I live in a college town to where we have a ton of students that look for side work, so I'm I'm looking down that avenue now myself. Uh-huh. Maybe I can get. Uh, we'll be here for four or five years that I can use. <laughs> do they have a wildlife biology program at the college? Yeah, and boy, do we have the fun time with this one because their professor is the big bat expert that tells everybody that they're safe to have in their home. Oh, my gosh. Uh. Oh, yeah. I actually hold the wildlife contract for the college, and they won't let me do any of the bat removals because that doofus is telling them there's no reason to get rid of it. <laughs> oh. Even though I'm in there five or six times a month taking bats off of dorm room beds, Oh, my gosh. No matter what I tell them, that bozo has tenure, so I don't mean shit. <laughs> right? Because this is not a publicly broadcasted radio. I could say that. <laughs> <laughs> good catch. Good catch. Yeah. He can bite me. <laughs> uh, how about any, like, job temporary services? Um, the temporary part comes in as if, they don't qualify, or I shouldn't say don't qualify, have a little qualifications but don't meet the grade. So job temporary services? We actually tried uh, one of those uh, several months ago, and the actual technician worked out pretty great. I mean, got along great with the technicians, but it got time to take him from the uh, agencies or agency, and it was, it came down to a buyout where we had to actually, you know, it was going to cost thousands of dollars Yeah, just to buy out his contract. Yeah, that's kind of why I brought that up. I've heard that it was almost like a shakedown. you got to buy them people. (laughs) Yeah. I've never even looked into it, but I've heard that. Now you're you're telling me that, and I'm thinking, damn. (laughs) I would like to say it was going to cost... Somewhere in the ballpark of maybe seven thousand dollars or something. Oh wow! 
And it? we were like, no, that's not going to happen. How did something like that work? Did they get you this guy at like a really good discounted rate up front kind of thing? And then, hey, we want a whole bunch of money and you can have him. I mean, there were some different uh, regulations and paperwork we had to fill out to, to get it to happen. And uh, But the the bad thing was, and uh, the confusing thing was, was we had several instances where they would actually have requests come in for him to work at. So we started having issues with instead of him coming for us like he was supposed to, Going they'd send him out to another place. And so, I mean, it, after that, we were like, never again. I almost wonder how many guys are still using those kind of places. Uh, and now that I've heard that, I'm highly suggesting never, ever, ever, ever. Yes. Never. Now, we have utilized some uh, social media sites, because uh, believe it or not, they have some of those wildlife biology sites uh, where colleges are popping out wildlife biology majors left and right. Oh, yeah. For a career where there's not much pay. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. absolutely. That degree. <laughs> yeah, so for us, we're kind of doing the same thing. The the various social sites, you know, we'll even advertise on Craigslist. We'll go on Indeed. Yeah, um, we will. Um, yeah, we'll, um, so, so we'll, we'll post up on there. One of the things up here, there is an active program at a couple of the community colleges. Um, uh, I was curious know, so we're, Yeah, so we'll, we'll actually look at, um, you know, we've offered uh, sponsorships, uh, tuition scholarships, um, and, and then, uh, you know, kind of exploring some ideas about how to more closely work with them in, in the future. So nothing solid that I can share there yet, but uh, once I get that, I'll be glad to, to talk more about that. I like that scholarship idea. I've thought about that at times. Yeah. But on something like that, I I always have that fight in my head. Is it better to you go give them a full ride if they work for you kind of thing or just a X percentage? <laughs> I like the idea. So kind of, yeah, how we've kind of talked about it now is that we're just going to provide a, you know, a scholarship. Uh, it's not a full scholarship. Um, and the, the, the professor gets to uh, say, here, here's who, who, who my top students are. Um, and for us, it's a no-strings-attached scholarship. Um, it allows us to um, get to them without them feeling like, okay, there's strings attached and I'm forced to go to work for them. The reality is, is now that they've gotten licensed through the community college, um, you know, they're going to want to go to work. And you know, who better to go work for than somebody who just gave you a scholarship and is, is looking uh, you know, and recruiting. Kind of gives them all more view of you. Right. How about a couple here checking like with your DNR or or a rehabber? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, those would probably be a couple couple good hits, you know? Mm-hmm. DNR, all I'm going to find is that next guy that's licensed. <laughs> but rehabbers I can kind of see because they're getting everybody. Right. Hmm. Trying to think. I use Craigslist a lot. Um, there's a statewide little classified thing here in Indiana called Who's Your Topics. I've used it. But most of the time it's just word of mouth. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I think it's, you know, yeah, I mean, I think it's just like how how you, how do you ask for referrals? Um, you know, and and uh, Hal Coleman talked about you, know, you have to teach your customers um, the type of referrals to give you. You know, and, and I think it's the same thing. I think you know, for us, it's about letting our customers know, hey, we're hiring, and we can do that on social media. Uh, you know, we've come up with some silly ads before that we've. Uh, you know, some of you guys have probably seen on our Facebook page, but it's um, you know it's important if we put that word out there. You know, you have to also talk about here's who the target profile employee is. You know, just so that way that you know some customer doesn't see that and tells her you know soon to be high school graduate grandson you know oh go get a job over there. Uh, you know that might be very well be who you're looking for. The point is just that you have to give a little bit more information than. Um, to, for people to know what kind of people to refer over. Yeah. Now, do you ever uh, stop people that you meet out and say, hey, you ready for a life-changing job? I don't, but I know that some people do. I know we we have, and we've had great luck with that. Doesn't happen much, but we have been known to do it. Uh, how about asking your own employees whether they're in a different state or whatever? Hey, do you have a friend that you know? Whether it's a relative that you could refer, we've you know, that not had the best luck with that. Okay. <laughs> And probably would rather not, you know. Yeah, I mean that that has worked, uh, but I can tell you of probably the past five times that has happened, all five not work out. Why do you I think that is? Completely. I'll go ahead. I was just saying, why, why do you think that is that it hasn't worked out? Uh you know. It's hard to say. I mean, you know, each each case kind of for its own different reason. But it just oddities. Uh, you know, one guy operating a, a little slower than normal or not being able to keep up the pace, huh. which, you know, if his buddy is uh, over the repair guys and – reports back to us and lets us know that, and then we talk with him, and he finds out his buddy, uh, you know, said he's not operating as fast as he should, and all of a sudden that creates conflicts. Right. And it just kind of snowballs from there. I guess if I was to hire somebody on that aspect or that that line, I probably wouldn't let him work with his relative, no matter, you know, just for the simple right. fact that, you know, you could get the clowning around, so it could be a liability aspect. Uh, you're not going to get the work uh, performance out of them. Um, so I, I probably definitely would put them on a different crew. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, we've, we've even done that and and still had issues with it. Interesting. Yeah, you know, we we have a um, uh, a bonus uh, 
you know, recruiting bonus for, for our technicians if they're bringing in family, friends. Um, we do it after uh, 60 days, um, and uh, each of them gets $500. Um, oh, that's and, nice. And, yeah. So, you know, it's enough to get the guys uh, thinking about, hey, who do I know that that might be a good fit here? Oh, yeah, and waiting the time frame to make sure they work out, too. Right, exactly. <laughs> That's exactly right. Don't want to use it as an ATM that pays out right when they bring in. Exactly, <laughs> you got it. <laughs> exactly right. Well, I don't well we're almost close to our two-hour program here. Anybody else have anything uh, they want to add or can think of to add or? I, I've covered everything I could think of. <laughs> yeah. I can't think of anything else. Okay. Um, well, if you just want to go ahead, Don and, and Ryan, and tell us again your name, your company, where you live, you know, where you live and all that. Yeah, I'm Ryan yeah. Hall, Animal Pros, and live in Nashville, Tennessee. Of course, we operate in four different states. And I'm Don Leland with uh, Eastside Exterminators out here in Woodenville, Washington serving all of King and Stormish County. Okay, I want to thank you guys for coming on. Uh, I don't really want to call it last minute, but it's (laughs) kind of even hard to find guys that can do this topic. So I want to thank both of you for coming on again and spending a couple hours with us. Thanks for the opportunity. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, we'll see if we can line you up for something else. So we're going to conclude the show for the June 1st here and uh, hope every, everybody has a great summer. Great. Thanks again. Absolutely. Um, Thank you. Alright, bye now. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.